0: I don't think that there was ever a period of time in my life that I needed a family more than I did at the time that I was adopted.
1: This is the Foster Movement Podcast, helping you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Here are your hosts, Jason Weber and Diego Buller.
2: Hey, this is Jason Weber. Welcome to the Foster Movement Podcast. I'm here with Diego Fuller. Hey, Diego. What up, Mr. Jason? How you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you, man? Man, I am blessed.
3: It is good to see you again today. It's good to see you. Seeing you the other day at the KFO Conference, man, you was looking good and
2: <laughs> pushed me out in the car. Everything was fun. Having an awesome time. All right. So now you got to explain, pushing you out <laughs> in a cart. what's that all about? You, well, you came up with the big
3: idea like that, you know, but <laughs> oh, I think that people so, love so it. So I get, I get blamed You get blamed too. for it? <laughs> I just thank you and appreciate you for not making me fall in front of a couple thousand people.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So what Diego's referring to is we were at the KFO 2018 Summit here yes. recently, and uh, we got the opportunity to interview Jamie Lynn Moore, mm-hmm. and you're going to get a chance to hear that amazing uh, interview. She was fantastic yep. uh, here in just a few minutes. Um, but. Uh, Part of that story, uh, part of her story, takes place in a grocery store. So we decided it would uh, (laughs) be—notice I'm roping you back in. We we decided it would be a great idea to come out. Um, with Diego uh, riding a shopping cart, right.
3: Only because we know that guy can work anywhere, at any time, at any moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. Even in the grocery store. Even in the grocery store. That's right. Even riding on the basket. That's right. So, <laughs> so Diego came out uh, in a shopping cart with me pushing, and I'm happy to report that we did not end up driving that thing off the end of the right, stage. Exactly. Did that we was scratch the floor? Uh, I, I hope not. I never right, we would have heard check. about it. We would have heard about it. Yeah, we would have heard about it. I think we did. Let right. us know. I think we did. All right. Right. So, <laughs> all right. Well— um, so we're not going to spend a lot of time. We want to get right to that interview. Now, yep. one of the things uh, we did uh, that day is we showed the video of Jamie's story with mm-hmm. her and her adoptive mom right. talking about that whole uh, situation with the grocery store and how they met. And so the first thing you're going to hear is that um, that video, and then you'll hear uh, the interview with Jamie at KFO 2018.
0: I met my family, my parents, um, at a grocery store that I worked at. We lived in a small town, and so I started working there my senior year of high school, and my mom would come in almost every day. I was enjoying getting
1: to know all the college-age kids and high school kids, you know, that were working there. She'd come through my line a lot and just talk to me. I mean, she talked she talk to everybody. <laughs> and I usually would just take one of my kids to the store,
0: and usually it was it was the little one. And then one day my mom had all three of my younger siblings with her at the same time and so I saw um, how distinctly different they looked because they were all next to each other and I asked her rudely how that happened and um, she told me that they were all adopted and so she said that my brothers were adopted from foster care and I said I was in foster care and by this time I had graduated from high school and so that was like a very fleeting like while I was checking her out. And then that Thanksgiving, we ended up having a longer conversation. She sat down and talked to
1: me the whole that whole time and just asked me a bunch of questions. In that moment, I knew she was my daughter. And I didn't know how I knew that or how that was going to happen. but um, I went home and I told my husband. And he said, "I mean, he was just blown away. and he said, he said, "Why is she in the car?" And like, why, why is she not here with you?" <laughs> she went home and told my dad that she wanted to adopt me. <laughs> and so
0: they invite, they had me over or we all went out and did something together or her and
1: I went alone to go do something together every day for a week. We decided Saturday night when she came over that, that we were gonna just lay it all out for her and just let her make the decision. And we didn't expect her to make the decision that night, you know? Um, she, uh, she was, she couldn't understand what we were asking her when we finally did and um, she just came over from work the other kids were in bed and um, she kept trying to tell us all the reasons that we shouldn't adopt (laughs) her she kept trying to tell us all the ways that she didn't qualify and all the things that we had missed I couldn't put it into words and I just prayed like right then I was like Lord please give me words help help me express my heart to her and he gave it to me I just—I just grabbed her hand and I said, "Come here." And I took her into the dining room, and I stood her in front of the chair that was where she'd been sitting that week to have dinner with us. And I said, "This chair has been empty since we bought this table, and since we built this house, and you fill it."
2: So uh, this video kind of gives us the middle of the story, and you were adopted how many years ago? It's been... Eight years. Eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, But today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the beginning uh, and the end of the story up Mm -hmm. until this point. Um, So uh, Jamie, tell us a little bit about the first night you remember being removed from your home.
0: The first time that I was removed from my parents was when I was about three years old, and it happened because they decided to run from the police in our car and I was the only one, the only other person with them and so uh, they f- the police finally caught up to them and they pulled them over and they held them at gunpoint, um, I'm not exactly sure why. And I kind of just got shuffled to the side. I don't think anybody really knew like, what do we do about the little girl in the car. And eventually someone showed up, I assume a caseworker, and said I needed to go and say goodbye to my parents because they were going to be leaving. And I ran to my mom and I threw my arms around her and she didn't hug me back. And um, I know now it's because they were cuffed, but at the time I just thought, why is she not hugging me? What did I do to make all of these people so mad and pull out these guns? And I just thought everything was my fault and I didn't understand and then I got taken away.
3: Oh, wow. Jamie, I know there's a lot of emotions that goes on with foster kids when they go into the, into the foster care system. I know for with me, it was feeling abandoned, a feeling I was angry, I was upset. And so what was that feeling for you?
1: I
0: think the biggest feeling was fear all the time. Mm. I just, I never knew what I was going to do that would make someone mad. I never knew um, what the particular Thing in the particular home mm-hmm. was going to be that was going to cause them to make me leave. I never knew if I was going to have to be living in a different home the next day. Wow. And now it's just, it's just constant fear.
2: Right. Wow. Mm. You talk about a story um, that, uh, something with your, your grandma uh, and socks. Can you tell us about that and, <laughs> and how that, I think it gives a great picture of the kind of security you longed for.
0: When I was nine and 10 for a short period of time, I lived with my grandmother, and um, it was one of the best times of my life. And one of the reasons that stand out to me is that she was so consistent in everything, including discipline. And um, the only time that I remember being disciplined as a child was because she had told me multiple times that I was not allowed to go outside (laughs) with just my socks on. I had to be barefoot or I had to have my shoes on. And um, I decided that I was going to go outside with my socks on. So I came in and I was... I was grounded from something I really wanted to do. The InSync special was coming on on oh, Saturday man. morning.
3: <laughs> and oh I, my gosh. And I missed it.
0: I've never I've never gotten to see it since then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and how did that make you uh, feel? Like why was that important?
0: It made me feel secure and I knew that she was she was looking out for my best interest and she was teaching me that there are consequences for breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're little, the consequences are not that big of a deal. But the reason that you need to learn that is because when you grow up, if you break the rules, yeah. it is a big deal. You go to jail, or you don't have a home, or your kids don't get taken care of.
3: Right, yeah, yeah. So Jamie, as you was aging uh, out of foster care, I know a lot of kids, they don't have a plan. They don't know mm-hmm. how to, ha- they don't have a plan at all. You know. And so um, what was your future plans for when you was aging out of foster care?
0: I wanted to go to college and get a job and adopt children. I just focused on that.
3: That's pretty awesome. You, I think the <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the video mentioned that on a Saturday night that your mom and your dad sat you down to um, talk to you about adoption. Um, tell us, tell
2: us a little bit about that.
0: I, I honestly don't remember that night very well at all.
2: Oh wow. As a kid, did you think a lot about adoption? Did it cross your mind?
0: When I was little, I didn't think about adoption at all. All I wanted was to be with my birth mom so right. badly. Hmm. And um, that's that's the only thought that consumed me. Later, when I was a teenager, I started to kind of think about it. Like, well, m- my birth mother's not going to take care of me. And I need a family. So yeah. hopefully somebody will step in and, and be that. Wow,
2: hmm. ah, That's beautiful. Do you remember a point at which you... kind of gave up on that idea? Did Mm -hmm. that ever come?
0: When I was 16, I was told that I was going to be adopted by a family. I moved in with them, and I lived there for the six-month waiting period. Uh, Right before that was over, they just unexpectedly told me that they'd changed their minds. And uh, it changed a lot of things about me, but it, it definitely changed my perspective on being adopted and the idea that that would ever happen.
2: Right. right. So at age 19, um, you uh, were adopted, as the video showed, Um, you changed your name, Um, and I've heard you talk about before how people, I don't know if it was peers or others, asked you at the time, you're 19, like, why would you want to be adopted now? You have your freedom, you're on your own, what difference does it make? Mm -hmm. Um, So what difference does it make?
0: I don't think that there was ever a period of time in my life that I needed a family more than I did at the time that I was adopted. Um, for me, growing up the way that I grew up, I, uh, to, to get through that, I just had to constantly tell myself, someday you'll be a grown-up, and someday hmm. you won't be the subject of so many other people's bad choices, and you just have to get to that. And so... When bad things would happen all the time, I would just take a deep breath and say, you just have to get through it. And then I did and I graduated from high school and I started college and I realized I still don't have anybody. There's nobody to call when I have mm-hmm. a question. There's nobody that loves me. There's nobody that, that wants me around and um, and I realized that that was always going to be as hard as it has all, had always been. It wasn't going to go away because I was a grown-up. Right. And I just, I just gave up. I was right. like, well, there's no point. There's no more goal to reach. I'm just, there's no point in even being nice to people. There's no point in going to class. There's no point in setting further goals because it's always, I'm always going to feel this way.
3: You're in your adult life now, and so uh, man Jason just found out about almost a year ago that you just uh, recently got married, right? Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on that, girl. So, hey, I want you to tell us about tell us about this awesome guy named Chris, right? Tell us about him.
0: Mm-hmm. He's the greatest person in the entire world.
3: Okay. Um, <laughs> woo-woo! Chris, you <laughs> hear that? Just... Wherever you are.
0: <laughs> he, he's a Marine, which says a lot about his personality. Um, but he is just amazingly leaps and bounds more advanced awesome. than anybody else that I've ever met in kindness, patience. He apologizes so <laughs> readily well, that, and that easily. That is a good thing
3: for a man. Um. <laughs> Trust me, it is. <laughs> Doz, make sure you apologize. Yeah, 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 <laughs> <right>. You see? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, I was looking at the pictures as they were just showing them just now, and they just showed, he, did he get married in his Marine uniform? Yes, it did. so awesome. Tell us about your wedding day. Tell, tell them how, how, what was going on when you was getting married, about to say, I do. Mm-hmm. What, it, what was going through your mind, girl? I,
0: I, <laughs> I was very excited about um, getting married, Christopher. And I think my main goal for the day was just to not block it out because right. i growing up the way that i did i was so used to purposefully blocking out big days because mm. i didn't want to have to look mm. back on them and right. and remember it as a bad memory so i i had oh, to wow. constantly tell myself okay christopher's not going away christopher right. doesn't break his promises like other people do and so i can i can be present here and i can remember this
2: mm. wow that's good wow wow so um, you and Christopher just recently bought a home and uh, you posted something on Facebook and uh, we're going to, with Jamie's permission, we're going to show it up here. Um, and I'd like for our podcast audience who's listening and isn't, uh, isn't able to, to see this, I'd like for you to read um, what, you, what you said on Facebook on this day.
0: Mm-hmm. I have moved 40 times since I was three years old. Before that, I can remember wandering around the streets with my birth parents, looking for a place to sleep at night. There were so many times as a child that I wondered where I would be living the next day. So many times that I was told I was home, only to have it ripped away shortly after. Today, thanks to Jesus, Christopher, and hard work, I will move for the last time. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
3: Wow. Amen. that's awesome. Jay, let me ask you this question. I know know from my experience, um, my dad used to try to force me to talk about my story. I used to didn't want to, and then understand what it was gonna do for me once I started talking about it. It was really rough. So, is it hard going through what you've been through um, to talk about your story in front of people, uh, just share your testimony?
0: Mm -hmm. It's terrible.
3: It's terrible? (laughs) Can can, can you tell us why it's terrible for you?
0: Why it's terrible?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why do you do it anyway? Right.
0: Because when I was little, the one thing that I always wondered was how in the world there were no adults doing something about the situation that I was in. I just couldn't fathom how they could see what was happening and how they knew that these things were happening to children and they weren't doing anything.
2: Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And um, it really bothered me. And I thought, when I grow up, I am going to do whatever I can to make sure that people know that all children are precious. And they all deserve and need a family.
2: Most definitely. Amen. That's awesome. That's amazing. So, Jamie, you know, we, um, the whole reason that we do the Foster Movement Podcast is uh, because we believe that we can't be the foster care advocates we need to be, we can't be the foster parents and adoptive parents we need to be, unless we're listening to the voices of those who've experienced it. Right. And that's the whole reason we do the podcast. And and we're so grateful uh, for you being willing to do this terrible thing. Uh, for our benefit. (laughs) Um, We are really grateful for that. Um, If you could say anything to um, foster care advocates, I mean, there's a room full of people who are passionate, um, who've given up their lives in order to advocate for children. um, Is there anything that you'd want uh, that they should know in order to do that well and to do that better?
0: If you tell a child that they are going to go and live in a home forever and they're going to have a family, Mm. then you're not allowed to change your mind. Wow. And you're not allowed to... Let someone else change their mind.
2: Hmm. Diego, that was... uh... Amazing to so be able to be able to interview her, wow. and uh, she said, "There's, there is that is a, a virtual um, treasure trove yeah. of wisdom mm-hmm. and insight uh, there, and we could spend all day just talking through the, some of the things she said. Exactly, wow. Um, like how important it is for kids to know, right, that they have something they can trust, mm-hmm. they have consistency, yeah, they something they can count on." and um you know one of the things that i thought was uh, really profound uh, about that interview that actually my wife pointed out yeah. to me afterwards was uh, when you asked her about that night when mm-hmm. she was uh, that when they asked her if they could adopt her and she said she really didn't remember, she remember it. it and uh, and then later on in the interview, she talked about her wedding day, and she talked mm-hmm. about the biggest thing to her was that day. She wanted to soak it all in because yep. she wanted to remember it because big days yeah. were always things that she ended up kind of blocking, blocking out. out. Right. Um, and the fact that she had, by the time her wedding day had come, had mm-hmm. come to the point where she recognized that, um, I feel like that speaks to the power of permanency. That right. She was able to say, mm. this is not a day I want to block out because this right, is exactly. forever.
3: Ah, so powerful.
2: Um, so, yeah, so good. Well, there's, uh, our next guest mm. knows something about permanency. She has worked for decades right. on behalf of children uh, to make sure that they have permanency. Dr. Sharon Ford worked for the state of Colorado and for the last several years has worked for Focus on the Family. Uh, going around the country holding events, wait no more events that introduce families to this idea of adoption mm-hmm. and foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she is and has been a champion for permanency and we can't wait for you to hear this interview with Dr. Sharon Ford. I'm here with Dr. Sharon Ford, who is the Director for Foster Care and Adoption for Focus on the Family. And prior to that, she worked for 30 years for the state of Colorado uh, as their manager of permanency. And so obviously, Dr. Ford uh, is an expert in this, this whole idea that we're talking about uh, of permanency and how important that is to a child in foster care. Dr. Ford, thanks so much for being on the Foster Movement podcast.
4: Jason, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
2: So when you think of that word permanency, how important is that?
4: Permanency is kind of like everything because it has so much packed into it. Um, Permanence is about Legality. Permanence is about nurturing. Permanence is about being connected to someone other than yourself in a way that gives you hope and security and um, opportunities. It just its encapsulates um, our ability to to grow and to be a part of something, that we want to attach our lives to be a part of something. And so it means everything to kids and to families.
2: You got the chance to listen to Jamie Lynn Moore's uh, interview that we did at uh, CAFO 2018 at the summit. And, um, you know, throughout that interview, it becomes just very clear how important permanency was to her. What struck you about, Um, this whole idea when you heard Jamie talk about her own experience?
4: You know, I, I, it reminds me that whatever age or stage you are in life, we want to be connected to other people and in a, in a a way that doesn't disconnect us. When she talked about, um, first of all, a promise that was made, she was, an older youth, um, and the thought that she would be a part of a family and have a mom and a dad and extended family members who were all being able to pour into her, that that, that meant something to her. She craved it. That was a desire. Her hope was there.
2: Obviously, as a result of, of that experience, you could, you could hear, um, Uh, how important promises are to her. You know, at one point she talks about her husband, Christopher, and talks about how Christopher keeps his promises. And um, I think that's so powerful. Um, Talk a little bit about the importance of promises when you are a foster parent or a foster care advocate.
4: You know, um, as adults, our words mean volumes, and so we need to be careful. There's this little song, careful little eyes, what you see, careful little, ear- careful little ears, what you hear, careful little mouth, what you say. When we say things, it sets up expectations and it puts bar- um, boundaries and barriers in place. And so if, our, if we make promises, if we use our words to make promises to someone else, that expectation has been ignited. It's like, oh, you're gonna go. We're gonna go to Disneyland in six months. We're gonna start saving now. Oh, 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 oh! Oh, oh we're going to Disneyland. Oh, are we almost there? Is it almost time? That expectation, and so that's what we do when we say to a child, "We're family. You're in our home, and you are a part of us." And so, I've now made a promise that I'm connected to that child, and they're connected with me, irrespective of what happens. Even if you have to go back home. You're connected to our family. Don't say those words as an adult if you're not going to keep your promise because well, an expectation has been that it ignited in that person.
2: One of the things that I think was so profound about what Jamie shared, you know, I mean, she was 19 at the time she was adopted. A lot of people would think, you know, is that kind of too late um, to, to be adopted? And uh, and she said this. She said, I don't think that there was ever a period of time in my life that I needed a family more than I did at the time I was adopted. Um, to think that somebody who is an adult still longed for and needed permanency, needed st- people to come along and keep their promises um, to repair um, some of what had been shattered in the past. Uh, That's profound.
4: You know, she says, when I was adopted, I never needed a family more. Whatever moment that happens at 10, at 12, at 15, at 19, at 24, Whenever the family makes the promise that you're mine forever, that I'm going to be there for you through good and bad, thick and thin, that having someone honor that commitment, keeping that promise, that's what I need. Because, see, I can, again, as I said, let go of a lot of stuff in the past because I now have something to hold on to. That's permanent. That nurturing, that family, that connectedness.
2: That's so good. Well, and uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is foster care, because, um, you know, foster care is seen as temporary. Of course, the goal is always reunification. Um, And so, but I want you to speak to Foster parents, either future foster parents or existing foster parents, about the importance of permanency for them. Like, how should they be thinking about permanency now? Maybe not permanency in their home, but talk about the importance of permanency and what that looks like in even a temporary setting.
4: I think that um, I'm really keen in, in helping families to say, can you, are you willing to be a resource for this child? If the child needs a temporary foster family, that you're going to be all in for helping for reunification, all in. Loving that birth family, yes. Even loving their birth family, because that speaks volumes to that child about how you interact with their birth family. Loving that child while they go through healing and disappointment as what's, you know, based on what's going on in that family's story and that family's dynamics. That you can, you're willing to stand in the gap on behalf of that child, and yes, on behalf of that birth family, and that if the tide changes and that child cannot go back home, that if you're going to be a resource family, that what is the resource that this child needs now, that they can't go back home ever, as God calling you and equipping you to Mm -hmm. be that permanent resource that permanent family for that child. So I think it's one thing to be a resource family. And I and I think it's also really awesome if families go, you know what, God only called me to foster. And so I will help a child transition to a permanent family for adoption if if that's what happens in the court case, but I know that I'm only supposed to foster knowing you, knowing what God has asked you to do, is really important. That prayerful, t- taking time um, to sit before the Lord, journeying, um, journaling, so that you know the, w- what God has said and asked for you to do. Because where He's asked you to step in, His provision is there for you. He provides where there's vision. Mm. He will stretch you, but he won't take you somewhere that he doesn't. If he hasn't taken you somewhere, then don't go there. Because his umbrella of protection, his head of protection and, and provision isn't there. And I think that that's how families, sometimes, individuals sometimes get off course.
2: Can you tell me what it means to you personally that God always keeps his promises and that he's given you permanency as part of his family.
4: Oh, you would go there, wouldn't you? (laughs) Um, it means something to me that he says that I won't, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. That doesn't mean that every day is roses. Every day is sunshine. Everything, every day is peaches and cream. It means even through the valley, I will walk with you. Even through the rainstorm and the lightning and the thunder, I am there for you. That you can cry out to me, Abba, Father. His permanence, knowing that I am rooted and grounded and connected in Him, that I don't care how times I might struggle, I can cry out, Abba, Father. And he hears me. And in his his voice, speaking into my inner man, that I know his comfort and his love, his peace and his joy. That I've never been abandoned. I might have thought I was lost, but before before I really got to that place where I was, oh, I'm just going to lose it. There's a road sign along the way. He sends something that lets me know, baby, I haven't forgotten about you. It means everything.
2: Dr. Ford, thank you so much for spending the time to talk with us. Uh, We're grateful for what you do and how you speak up uh, for kids all over this nation and have so faithfully for so long. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. So talking to Dr. Sharon Ford is one of my favorite things to do. She is amazing. So much knowledge. Oh, and, she's and awesome. She is. Uh, it is hard to to talk to her and not just be completely inspired. Right. Mm. Mm. So good. So good. Well, uh, we are so grateful for uh, our guests, Jamie Lynn Moore, Dr. Sharon Ford, today. Uh, thank all of you for tuning into the Foster Movement Podcast. We'd love for you to let some folks know about this podcast. If it is helping you to be a better foster parent, a better foster care advocate, a better child welfare professional, um, please let some folks know. Let them know. Let them know. Let the people know. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, something we want to let you know about is we have uh, a newly designed foster care portion of our website at c-a-f-o dot o-r-g slash foster movement. And uh, there's a number of great resources there. And the other thing that we've uh, done that's new is we have a, a shop there. So mm-hmm. you can go and, and you can get tools. One of the things that we've found is there are a lot of you out there that are advocating for kids in care. Uh, you were trying to get things going in your church. You're trying to get things going in your community. And you uh, and, It would help you a lot if you had some tools to help you do that. And so that's what this is all designed for, is to put um, packs of stuff that you can hand out, prayer guides, uh, other kinds of guides that you can use to lead breakout sessions in your community, all kinds of stuff um, that is meant to help you do what you do and do it better yep. and make a bigger difference for kids and families because that's what we're all about. Amen. And so uh, please check that out at c-a-f-o dot o-r-g slash foster movement. If you'd like to check out the show notes from today's podcast, you can go to uh, fostermovementpodcast.org. That's fostermovementpodcast.org. And please check us out on our Facebook page, um, the Foster Movement Podcast page on Facebook. Like and share this stuff. Yes, please do. And uh, thank you so much for all you do to speak up for kids and families. We're here to help you do that. Until there's more. Then enough. Have
3: a blessed day.
1: This has been the Foster Movement Podcast. Join Jason Weber and Diego Fuller next time as they and their guests help you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live.
2: Hey, this is Jason
3: and Diego again. Yes, and we're still here because there's a couple of things that we want you guys to
2: know. That's right. First of all, be sure to download the free PDF we created, especially for listeners of this podcast.
3: It's called Key Things Former Foster Youth Want You to Understand About Caring for Current Foster Youth. This thing is beautiful and full of wisdom and insight from those who've been there. And I'm telling you, you need to print these babies out and give them to foster parents and applicants you work with because these things are amazing.
2: Just go to morethanenoughtogether.org org backslash free download that's more than enough together.org backslash free download
3: also as you know the foster movement podcast is a limited series of just 18 episodes but listen it's okay don't be sad here's why because there's more where that came from tell them jay
2: that's right more than enough has produced a whole family of podcasts one of which is called the more than enough podcast
3: so to learn more, go to morethenenenoughtogether.org and click on the podcast link at the top of the homepage, and they are all there.
2: Hey, and one last thing. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to be a part of your journey. Our team is here to help you work with others in your community to provide for children and families before, during, and beyond foster care until there's more than enough.